You're listening to The Real Enneagram Podcast, a spiritual quest, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. Welcome back to a podcast entitled The Real Enneagram. As always, thank you so much for joining us. Today we have Dr. Joseph Howell, and he is going to talk with us about the ego and the way that the ego can block our journey back to our soul. I hope you enjoy the podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us at therealenneagram at gmail.com, or you can find more information about us at theicb.org. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. I'm glad that I can speak with you today on the topic of consciousness and the blocks that our ego has toward our finding greater consciousness. I've always tried to know God as a child, as an adolescent, as a young person, and in all the seasons of my life. But there was one block to really fulfilling my desire to actually knowing my soul, being conscious, and knowing God. And that block has been self-rejection and self-loathing. It doesn't matter what egotype we are. Each of us has egos which give us good reason to reject ourselves. This is because every one of the egos around that beautiful design of the Enneagram have their own narrative about how our lives in general and in specifics must go. This is our ego's narrative, and it really looks good on the surface. The ego gives us a story that presents an image to the world. And even though we know it's a false self, it does become a good vehicle for maneuvering around the tremendous amount of other false selves in this world. The ego also provides you and me with this image of who we want to be perceived as. This is called our persona, which in the Latin and Greek derivatives gives us the word personality. And it comes from a root word meaning mask. And this ego of ours also gives us energy because it feels that it knows the way to avoid what we dislike and fear and ways to get out of the things that have trapped us and it knows how to get the desires of our passions met. This is a very 
powerful thing. Just the other day, I was talking to a student in Finland, and she said a curious thing to me. She said, I really want to understand the Enneagram, but I really don't think that it has the insights and the power to really come up against my ego. And in her very humble way, she said these following words, my ego is very strong and exceedingly intelligent and can outwit me and many others in an instant. I was taken aback because I thought her words were so appropriate for the power of this ego and how it sneaks in even into the holiest moments, the holiest people, the most spiritually developed, and those who try so hard to love well. Yes, this ego is a force to be reckoned with. It brings a lot of delight, especially at first when our desires are met so strategically and so ingeniously. We seem to have what we thought we needed and wanted, including people, ideas, material possessions, status. And that seems to satisfy us until it doesn't. It takes years for many of us to understand that the things the ego uses to satisfy us don't really satisfy us. But the magnitude and color and zest and beauty and force of these wonderful things seem to be doing the trick. The ego is very much needed. Yes, although it promises all these fulfillments and though it is a false self, it is part and parcel of our spiritual pilgrimage, our spiritual journey to whole, into wholeness. Let me say a few words about why. For some reason, the ego holds and outpictures or manifests hubris that came with us when we were born. But because we had no personality and no ego, when we were in the first few years of our lives, we had no reason, no reason at all to manifest any hubris or pride. We lived totally out of the spaciousness of our thoughts, which were like clouds floating through the sky. It wasn't until our ego 
came into power, so to speak, that our thoughts became strategic and fit together in a log jam in a huge jigsaw puzzle cramming our minds with how this ego can make itself and its desires the most prominent things in our lives. It fails. It suffers. It promises, but the promises are broken. It weaves a narrative of our lives for us that hypnotizes us into thinking that that narrative is reality and that if we want it enough, we can make it come true. And indeed, we adopt this narrative so wholeheartedly that when pieces of it begin not to be true, we are aghast, we are disappointed, sometimes we are horrified, and sometimes we shake our fists at God with clenched teeth in huge rage that the narrative fell apart. This is all very interesting as we contemplate the Enneagram because the Enneagram leads us away from the ego into our soul. But beautifully, the failed ego attempts give us wisdom that our soul subsumes, absorbs, and matures with. This is how the ego and the soul really work together. Because the hubris inherent in our beings is worked out in one way or another by the sufferings of our egos. The net result, which is the realizations, insights, epiphanies, and understandings learned by these failures become wisdom. Rich, beautiful, personalized wisdom that is made for the reception of our soul. So in Enneagram studies, often the ego is said to be the enemy, the thing that we want to diminish, kill, exercise. But as things are, we could not do our holy work without the ego and its failings. And in the maturity of the soul, as the ego works together serving it, the ego becomes an ally and it works with the soul consciously 
understanding that the agenda of the soul is the divine plan and that the agenda of the ego is a self-made plan. These insights are very important as in our ego types we become very alert to what our narrative is and to how we react when it, that ego narrative fails. So what do we do to replace that very fallible ego narrative? We defer to the soul who is very in touch with the divine plan and how to discern the next step in fulfilling that divine plan. The soul doesn't mind taking time from work. It doesn't mind losing money to seek what is most valuable. It doesn't mind discontinuing negative relationships that impede our progress. And it doesn't mind giving up the ego's illusions of happiness so that the authentic happiness of the divine can take root in us by fulfilling the divine plan. No one knows all of the divine plan. And in fact, most of us souls who deal with this understand that the divine plan really only is revealed in the present moment. It is not something that appears like a weather forecast in the newspaper or on line, the divine plan unfolds in the present moment, and our job is to align with it in each present moment. You may say, well, we've got to have a purpose for our lives, and we can't go from moment to moment having a purpose. That's got to be understood in much of its totality for us to actually activate that purpose in a long-term sense. And that is true. Long-term purpose and overarching plans are made known to us through special discernments that we take time to have. And these are done in pilgrimages. These discernments are made in retreats. These discernments and understandings of the larger concepts of the divine plan are absorbed into our souls through all sorts of ways wisdom comes to us 
and that we are transparent to it. Art, literature, curiosity, travel, observation, adventure, contemplation, aloneness, community, confession, surrender, relinquishment. All of these and many, many more are ways of discerning the overarching and what can be called prophetic futures and purposes of humankind. What a complex system, but these are all wheels of the divine that are said to turn exceedingly slow but exceedingly fine. And our job is not to rush these gears up, is not to fast forward in our desperation for satisfying our unconscious ego desires. Our job is alignment with and attunement to the rhythm of this universe and the laws that underpin it. The author of the Enneagram of Personality, Oscar Achazo, was very attuned to the fact that revelation and peace, purpose and the ability to perceive the divine all come from our alignment with instead of our opposition to the underpinning laws that run this universe. And so today, in closing, I hope you have been able to meander with me about these important thoughts of the ego and the soul, about how in Asandra Maitri's book, Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram, says the confluence of the divine with humankind and how the alignment and how all of the parts of ourselves are redeemed, make sense, are understood, and finally find their place, not in the jigsaw puzzle of our minds, but in the spacious, sky above 
and its beautiful clouds. Thank you for joining us today. It was very nice to be with you. That wraps up another episode of The Real Enneagram, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. If you're interested in furthering these conversations, please reach out to us through our Instagram, at The Real Enneagram. Or, if you're interested in our upcoming trainings or other resources, please visit our website, www.instituteforconsciousbeing.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.